welcome to another episode of Poetry Says everyone. My name is Alice. Thank you for downloading and listening in. I have a very loose plan of what I want to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to meander my way through two poems that I've been thinking about a lot over the last couple of weeks and trying to tie them together. The first of these is Ashbury's Some Trees which I looked at in the Modern and Contemporary American Poetry course and have basically been in love with ever since, even though I don't think it's possible to understand, quote unquote, this poem. It's something that has just been, yeah, it's like one of those poems that feels like a map to certain moments and certain situations. And then... This other poem that I looked at years and years ago in a workshop by a UK writer called David Hurd called Three Notes Towards a Love Song. And this came up in a workshop, I believe, run by Claire Gaskin. I've got the notes here from the workshop, but I didn't write down who was running it, but I'm pretty sure it was Claire. And yeah, she brought along this poem by David Hurd. And we did a collective reading of it that really unlocked it for me but it's only in the last couple of weeks that I've come back to this poem and I feel like I can see so much more of what's going on and all of a sudden I can see this connection between three notes toward a love song and some trees and just now I started doing a little bit of research into David Hurd and surprise surprise he's written this huge essay on cordites just published at the start of this year in May about Ashbury. It's called John Ashbury's Humane Abstractions and it's got some pretty complicated ideas which I'm not even going to attempt to unpack but he talks quite a bit about Ashbury's use of space and I think in both of these poems in Some Trees and in Three Notes Towards a Love Song there is the use of space that David Hurd describes in this essay that he's written on Cordite. So some complicated ideas happening here. I'm going to give it a crack. Hopefully you'll get something out of this. Basically, both these poems, I think, are useful in discussing relationships that are almost something, but not quite. Relationships that exist in a liminal space. And I think that's something that is really not addressed much at all in your uh, standard kind of relationship narrative that you would see in, uh, I don't know, like a romantic comedy or in a fairy tale. There aren't many fairy tales that end with uh, the prince and princess agreed that they had some feelings for one another, but it wasn't quite worth it. <laughs> Something like that. That doesn't really happen. And yeah, so the, I, I feel like these two poems are so useful in their ability to acknowledge liminality, things that are only 80% of the way there, and that these things are also meaningful and they don't have to be thrown away because of their lack of completion or certainty. So why don't we start with some trees? I'll read it through for you because this isn't a poem that's familiar to everyone um, at all. It's, uh, as I said, it comes up in the Modpo course 
and it really rewards a very close reading but I'll just read it through for you and keep in mind as I'm reading it that this is a poem that people apparently tend to um, use for their weddings and I find that really fascinating because it's not really a love poem as such or at least it's not a traditional love poem. So let's let's start with this Some Trees by John Ashbery. These are amazing. Each joining a neighbour as though speech were still a performance. Arranging by chance to meet as far this morning from the world as agreeing with it. You and I are suddenly what the trees try to tell us we are. That their merely being there means something. That soon we may touch, love, explain. And glad not to have invented such comeliness, we are surrounded. A silence already filled with noises. A canvas on which emerges a chorus of smiles. A winter morning. Placed in a puzzling light, and moving, our days put on such reticence, these accents seem their own defence. So heaps of really typical Ashbarian doubling back, contradicting himself there. Um, Ashbury is famous for saying that he writes poems in order to forget them and, you know, totally refusing to engage in any kind of interpretation of his work which is fine, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I think it's fascinating that people would use this at their wedding, right? Because this is a relationship that is, if it's happening at all, it's only just happening. It's, um, yeah, it's, again, it's that liminal space. It's right on the border. Soon we may touch, love, explain. It's not happening right now. So many moments in this poem of acknowledging, of setting something up and then um, rejecting it. A silence already filled with noises. Meet as far this morning from the world as agreeing with it. Arranging by chance to meet. That's a line that Al Phil Reese in uh, Mod Poe comes back to again and again and again. Arranging by chance. I think the core of this poem is the line... That they're merely being there means something. Means something, right? It's not he's not gonna tell us what it means, but it means something. Yeah, so rather than ramble on with my own explanation of some trees there, I think I'm gonna lean on David Hurd's explanation in his essay about Ashbury. So he's talking about uh, Ashbury's poetics of what he calls a dislocated space. And what he says that I think relates to some trees, although this isn't the poem he's talking about in the essay. We encounter environments we recognize, but don't in any strong sense know. I think that's definitely true in some trees. He's talking about, I mean, the only reason you even know that you're in a forest of some sort is because of the title, really. When he starts, these are amazing, you kind of see yourself standing surrounded by trees, but it's not it's no specific forest. He's not talking about the kind of tree. He's not giving you any country or place name to work with. Just some trees, whatever. Um, so Hurd goes on to say, the measure of this is the poetry's defining lack of specificity. It's habit of referring us not to things 
which we or somebody might have special familiarity, but to things that any inhabitant of the environment might manage to name. And then he goes on to say, the point is to recognize such non-specificity as a decision, a decision that amounts to refusal. This is a poetry, in other words, whose presentation of space is not predicated on long acquaintance. So I guess what he means there is it doesn't matter that there's no specific forest, there's no specific trees that you're standing in and looking at, and that it's a decision to be non-specific. And I think that's also important in Hurd's poem, Three Notes Towards a Love Song. In fact, I think if this were to be any more specific in its references, it wouldn't work anymore. It's the generality that speaks to the fact that this relationship is kind of in this weird borderline space. I've read these two poems together so many times now that I kind of feel like Three Notes Towards a Love Song is a rewriting of some trees, but that's just me. But there are a couple of lines in here that very closely echo. So there are three parts to it, as the title suggests. I just want to read you the third part because I think there's enough to go on there to see those echoes. So part three begins, Camarade, this morning things have a shy way of happening, so that if we should speak, it is barely established. Either one of us belongs in this weather we have, making all things difficult, so that even your being here is a blessing. In these several senses, which pass into each other, showing in the circumstances what the world might hold, establishing there is much between us, as dumb old November plays itself out and we stand opposite, contemplating the distance by some slow degree, forage quietly in each other's language, manufacturing a love song, objectively, comrade, among trees. When we did the group reading of this, somebody pointed out that camarade is what uh, a female comrade is referred to, which was so useful because before that, I think we couldn't see that there were two speakers in this poem. So part three begins with camarade and ends with comrade. So there's sort of a, a conversation happening between two people that you don't actually notice until you make that distinction. Um, it almost looks like a typo in some ways, uh, but it's definitely intentional. So I don't know if you picked up there um, the echo between there merely being there means something and in some trees and David Heard saying, even your being here is a blessing. That really stands out to me. And then very obviously at the end, the last stanza, objectively comrade among trees. To me, that points directly back to some trees, the title. And again, there's all these pointers to things being not 100%, not quite what they could be in this poem. So things have a shy way of happening. It is barely established what the world might hold. And then particularly in the second to last stanza where he says, there is much between us. He's not going to explain what that, what that stuff is. He's just going to acknowledge that it's there and then say we stand opposite contemplating the distance. These two people are on opposite sides of something and what the poem is doing is just acknowledging the distance. 
but also saying even your being here is a blessing even even being people standing on two sides of a situation means you're still connected I suppose and obviously in the title as well there's an acknowledgement that if this is a love song it's one that acknowledges the things that are missing in the same way that Ashbury does because it's called three notes towards a love song it's not three notes of a love song or three types of love song in fact even in that second to last stanza he David Heard says manufacturing a love song objectively so any hint of romance that he sets up is basically immediately undercut by acknowledging that this is this is manufactured and again these two people are very much um, separated by something so it's an acknowledgement of that thing that separates them and an allowance for that I think both these poems are really really useful in creating space for moments in relationship that that just you're not quite on the same page you're not quite meeting up um things are not perfect for whatever reason things are complicated in the in the second part of three notes towards a love song probably my favorite line of the entire poem he says uh allow things comrade to be difficult between us so just allowing for that in a poem I think is so useful and so precious and again it doesn't come up very much in our more obvious myths and stories and writing uh, about love we really want things to be straightforward we want things to be resolved um, we want things to be one way or the other yeah as I I think I always conclude when I do these solo episodes um, that's just one of the fantastic things about poetry is that it just gives you space to allow for things that don't quite make sense, that don't quite line up, allow things to be difficult. <laughs>